You're listening to a Chicago Sports Nation production, enhancing your Chicago sports fan experience. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to Shy Sox Weekly, presented to you by White Sox Nation and Wegern Enterprises. I am John Suarez, along with my co-host, Tony Marchese. Tony, how are you doing today, man? Good, John. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Got a bit of a thunderstorm going on right now around me. So Yeah, I can hear that going on in the background. A little bit of crazy weather coming into the Chicago area tonight. So we're going to have to fight through that a bit, it sounds like, huh? Yeah. Guess we're going to have to deal with that one, but that's what we get for uh, making Thunderstruck our new intro, I guess. Yeah, can't get away from it. But uh, it's, I guess we have a really cool guest joining us tonight. John, John, you want to let our listeners know who that is? Yeah, so tonight we have Harry Tynowitz on from uh, WGN Radio White Sox Weekly. Um, Harry's going to come on and we're going to talk a little bit of White Sox and get a little bit of background information about Harry and ask him some questions. So I'm pretty excited about that. How yeah. about you, Tony? Yeah, very excited. A little White Sox Weekly, Shy Sox Weekly crossover event. So uh, <laughs> let's get into uh, a little bit of a breakdown before we talk to Harry. Uh, the Sox went 3-4 and four over the last week. We do like playing in Kansas City, don't we? Yeah, I mean, us saying uh, three and four for their record doesn't even really justify it because they're on a four-game losing streak right now. But, yeah, if you split that into two different halves, they played pretty well at the beginning of the week. There it is. (laughs) They played pretty well at the beginning of the week. They had that nice little winning streak going, and now they just can't buy a win. Their bullpen cost them the game the other night, and Giolito dug a hole too deep for them to come back from uh, today. Yeah, Giolito did look good in his start today up until the end there when he started to give up a few long balls, uh, but I was overall impressed with his start. I wasn't too impressed with the fact of who the home run came against. I mean, the, his first home run that he gave up in this game came to Carlos Martinez. That's not the guy you want to be giving up long balls to. Yeah, pitchers who rake, that wasn't, it's never good when it's uh, pitchers who are raking against you. No, not at all. And, you know, for Giolito to come out, you know, after quite a few rough starts to begin the year and, and kind of let that one slip out of a, out of control there at the end, uh, that's not very good. But overall impressed uh, with what he, what he put together in his body of work today. Lots of White Sox things that we're going to get into uh, just besides this game. Do you want to take it back from the top of the week here, John? Yeah, so at the beginning of the week, the White Sox went over to Kansas City and they started a five-game series, which was different. You don't see many of those in baseball. They were making up that rain out from, or actually the snow out from the first series all the way back in March. And um, they won the first three, like I had stated earlier. In the very first game, Matt Davidson hit two home runs, one being a very clutch home run to put the White Sox on top. I believe it was an eighth-inning home run. And uh, let's talk a little bit about how Matt Davidson just absolutely owns Kauffman Stadium. Yeah, how about that? I mean, this is some seriously impressive stats that he's put up there. Seven home runs already. In Kansas City, I believe I heard that that's the most of any opposing player in a single season, and it's only April. 
he just he can't get enough of I don't know if it's either Kansas City pitching or just Kauffman Stadium itself. He just seems to be in the zone when he's there and that's awesome. Yeah, I think the interesting thing about it was was that um there's your Matt, thunder again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was uh Chuck Garfine had put out a tweet that Matt Davidson it's not that he's just hit seven home runs, he's hitting like five eighty with uh almost two thousand OPS. He has like a one nine eight three OPS. It's ridiculous. Yeah, those are seriously impressive stats, especially when you look at the body of work and, and how many games the Sox have already played in Kansas City to start this year. How about these how about these schedules? They don't go back there, I don't think, until September. Uh, so hopefully you can see Matt Davidson continue this uh, type of hitting on the road and even at home. But uh, if I was Matt Davidson, I would just permanently camp out in, in KC and, and want to stay. The Sox, like you said, had a 6-3 victory on that Thursday. They went into Friday and put up another commanding victory, 7-4. I think you tweeted out after that game, can we play KC every day? No, it wasn't can we play KC every day. It was can we play in Kansas City every day. Well, I, you know, you don't want the team to move there, but, you know, it's no, more fun. It's been more, it's been more fun to watch the White Sox play in Kauffman than it has been at the rate. Anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So I pulled up this interesting uh, stat today that the uh, White Sox, nine of their 20 losses have come by one run. Yeah, I don't know if I like that number. <laughs> I don't like that number at all, but at least it's showing that they're sticking around in ball games and they're playing close ball games. You know, I can name a few of those games that were not one-run ball games that they started to kind of fight back at the end. Today being one of those, they were down 3 nothing, and then they got the two runs in the eighth, so... You know, it's interesting to see that they just they don't quit and they never they never have and they never will. And I'm really excited to see when these young guys get up here what they're gonna do with the no, don't quit mentality. Well, yeah, both games in the series that they played against the Cardinals were three to two losses. Uh, you do like watching the one run ball games because uh, it, it keeps it interesting, it keeps the fans engaged, and, and there's always a chance that they're gonna pull it off. Uh, you don't like seeing the team get blown out. You don't like seeing that at all. If if the if the Sox were getting blown out every day, it would make this rebuild even harder. Uh, they're right there in each and every one of these games for the most part. Uh, like you said, there was nine of them. Uh, it's almost like 50% of, of games that they're right there. I'd be interested to see how many of those were two-run losses. Uh, I could... I, like to think that there's been a few of them uh but yeah you like seeing that the white Sox are in these ball games and competing wonder what this Sox team's record would be if they just had bullpen help and they could shut the door on some of these one run games that they give up late yeah it's really weird because the bullpen comes out in the games that we don't need them to and then in the games that we have the lead and we need them to lock it down they it feels like they blow it every single time well, and besides the bullpen, I wanted to get into one other thing with you, John, here, and that's something that I talked a little bit about on our last episode is Tim Anderson and the fire that he plays with. That fire, again, this week came out in the game against Kansas City on Saturday in the second game of the doubleheader where Tim Anderson hit a home run, and the result about an inning later, was Salvador Perez and Tim Anderson on second base, 
and a bench is clearing what almost turned into a brawl, but didn't, thankfully. Uh, we don't want to see anybody get suspended, but Tim Anderson was under the skin of Salvador Perez, and he was under his skin really bad. John, did you, uh, did you get a chance to watch that? Yeah, so I actually did see that, Tony. It was weird to me that at the end of the scuffle that Tim Anderson and Salvador Perez were kind of like, they kind of like shook hands in yeah, a sense. Did. And they like, yeah, and they like were kind of like saying like, you know, like it's all right. And then Salvador Perez goes on to just drop this quote. I think you have the exact quote pulled up after the game, which kind of makes it seem like it wasn't really all okay. No, it, he, here's the quote. He did it opening day too. The same thing. Said a bad word. He didn't even play in a blanking playoff game. He doesn't know about getting excited. You have to be in the playoffs to get excited. Win a World Series to get excited. That's a game. That's a simple game. That's the second time I said something to him. The first time I saw it, I was on the DL. He did it again. And I had the opportunity to say something to him. I've hit homers too. I keep running the bases. I don't get loud like you. That's the only thing I tell him. Keep doing what you're doing, bro. Have fun. It's a game, you know. But respect my team. That's it. He was mad about that. That doesn't sound like the kind of guy who just shook your hand and said everything's okay. <laughs> that's even after it's like simmered too because that happened in what like the you said the second inning third inning yeah uh yes yeah, so he's well, got that a was, whole no, you know well the, the the home run that he hit was a leadoff home run he led that game off but the bench is clearing no it was actually in like yeah, the, the fourth inning wasn't it yeah the bench is cleared later in the game i'm not exactly sure what inning it was but... all i know is there was at least like a whole another half a game and then another like time to be slotted in there for him to simmer and let it go and he clearly didn't well it'll be interesting to see what happens the next time tim anderson does anything against the royals uh just to see how salvador perez reacts but the thing I really want to hammer into everybody's head is that Tim Anderson is going to continue to play with this kind of fire. He said uh, after the game, too, that he's having fun playing baseball, and he's not going to stop. Uh, I, I went in, into a lot of depth last week on this, and it's good to see it continue. I don't think that you know, we need to have fights and, and see Tim Anderson get suspended over anything or, or get into, you know, physical altercations for it. But we want to see Tim Anderson playing with heart, and he continues to do it. Tim Anderson is just forever, like you said, he's just always going to play like that. Um, it was kind of sad when he wasn't, he didn't have that fire last year. So I will never knock him for being tim anderson (laughs) you know he wasn't tim anderson last year so the fact that he's tim anderson again i mean he got obviously he had that little run-in with marcus stroman he has a little bit of history so obviously tim is a little bit at fault you know there's a little bit of these unwritten rules in baseball like don't showboat or there are repercussions but he i don't think he's really showboating well, that's that's just the thing. If if Salvador Perez thought that Tim Anderson was showboating, I think maybe Sal Perez went after it the wrong way. Sal's the catcher. Take a mound visit next time Tim Anderson's coming up to bat. Go up there 
and maybe throw something inside. You know, have the pitcher throw something inside to Tim and, tr- and try and send a message that way. The, the, res- the end result's probably the same, but he said something to him when he crossed home plate, and then again when uh, I think Sal hit a double and wound up on second, you saw, you saw them start jarring at each other. There was a mound visit that took place, and then next thing you know, the bullpens are emptying and the dugouts are emptying. But it, it's just crazy to see. It seems like we can't go a whole week without Tim Anderson getting underneath the skin of one of our opponents. And like you said, you like to see that fire. And I even commented on it last week. I said, I can't wait to see this guy in a playoff game. Well, Sal Perez brings it up. Imagine this is this is regular season baseball in a rebuilding year for the White Sox. Think of how jacked up Tim Anderson is going to be that first playoff series in Chicago. Think of how, how much he's going to get underneath someone's skin in that series. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, Tim Anderson is definitely going to take a couple years off some people's lives, especially when postseason baseball rolls around. But I thought uh, I saw something funny. I don't know if you saw that viral video that was going around this week of the little kid in T-ball, like, Yes. Slow-mo coming home. You did see that? Yes. Uh, that was... Someone quoted the tweet. It was Right Sox. I don't know if you follow him on Twitter. He's actually a really good White Sox personality listeners. Go ahead and give him a follow. It's uh, at right, like like I'm writing, like W-R-I-T-E Sox. He tweeted, he quoted that tweet of the kid running, and he said, this little shit hasn't even won a World Series yet. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I, I did see serious. that tweet. I, I was laughing. I uh my first reaction when I did see that video was, oh, man, Sal Perez would probably have a field day with this guy. I, I loved the little fall down when he got to home plate. It was a nice little added touch. Yeah, kid definitely has a future, if not in baseball, in theater or something of that sort. Absolutely. Now, the the other thing that we can't seem to go a week without talking about, and for good reason, is Yon Mankata. Yon had another good week this week. Uh, since we last spoke, he's raised his batting average another 24 points. Uh, continues to hit the hell out of the baseball. And has moved around the order a little bit. So I found it interesting, and I don't know if you noticed this, uh, Ricky Renteria wasn't managing the White Sox over the weekend. Rick's mother passed away, and he was attending the services. Uh, and Joe McEwing was making the lineups and Joe messed around with the lineup a little bit. I found it very interesting that in the game that he batted Yon in the sixth spot, Yon went over four, but in the game that Yon let off, he had two hits with an RBI and also scored a run. So I know I've been very critical of the fact that maybe Yon isn't a leadoff guy. He seems to be performing just a tad bit better in that leadoff spot. you have any thoughts on that, John? Yeah, I mean, obviously the smallest of small sample sizes being one game, but I, I get where your argument is with that. I still stand firm by the I don't think that he's a long-term leadoff guy. Like, when we're winning playoff games and when we're winning division titles, I don't want Yomankata to be the leadoff hitter. And I don't think he will be, but I feel like you giving him all these reps continue like it showed right there he's used to being in the leadoff role the one game he's not in the leadoff role over four yeah so. that, 
that might just be, you know, taking away what's familiar to him. And I do think that there is something to be said for let's put our, you know, the one guy that we want developing the most, getting the most major league at bats. So maybe it's not let's have Yon be our long-term leadoff guy, but let's just get him reps because let's face it right now. My prediction of 83 wins is probably a long shot at this point in time. Uh, I think we're going to be closer to where you predicted this team to be. And maybe even if you go back to episode two, where MLB the show predicted the White Sox to finish. <laughs> but I hope not. But there's something to be said for getting Yon reps, and it, it seems to have paid off so far. Like we said, he's raised his batting average significantly over the course of the last two weeks. He's becoming, you know, what we want to see Yon Moncada become. And, and this is just the beginning. And I think White Sox fans get frustrated when they see, you know, Yon come out of the gate. You know, fans are excited. It's the beginning of the year, and people tend to hyper focus on the on the first month or the, especially the first week. But this is this is just the beginning of Yon Mankata. And I don't know if you also noticed this too. I, I, we like to talk about Twitter. Uh, did you see the poll that was ran on who is better? With the Ozzie Elvis? No, not the Ozzie <coughs> one. There was actually a... Oh, know, the Javier Baez one? Yes, the Javier Baez oh, one. Oh, trash. Yeah, I did see that. Did you yeah. see like the comments on it, though? No, I, I didn't see the comments. I, I there was one specific. Comments, there was one specific comment. It was this Cubs fan, and he goes, "Let me get, let me take Javi because he I think he said he had like t- he has twenty something RBIs and uh, Mancado only has like thirteen, and he like under commented that comment and said, "Baez gonna be star for years. Mancado will be out of the league within the next three. And I, that's when I stopped taking that post seriously. That's well, <laughs> when I saw that. That's an absolute trash opinion. But that's a Cubs fan's opinion right there. So just put that out there. There's, I, I don't think that there's any way that Yon Mancada is uh, not better than Javi Baez. I, I, I understand Javi's been in the league for a while. Uh, I'm I'm not a big Javi Baez fan, although he can draw a few comparisons to the guy we just talked about, Tim Anderson, getting under people's skin. So I do respect the way that he plays the game, but I'm not a big Javi Baez guy, and and I don't think that there's any way that you can even draw comparisons to these two guys uh, in in terms of potential and in terms of ceiling. Uh, Yon has him by a mile. Uh, Javi Baez is at his ceiling. Yes, uh, there's there's just so much room for growth for for Yon, and you know I feel like Javi took a while to even crack the lineup over on the north side, let alone you know be the face of a team. Uh, Mankata has the chance to be the face of this team, and, and as of right now, he is. You know, we start talking about guys like Kopech and, and Eloy Jimenez coming up, but right now this is this is Yon's team. Uh, here's here's a tweet. If you were starting a franchise right now, would you choose Yo-Yo or El Mago? Uh, Baez has three years on him, and their stats are are very comparable right now. But if you look at it, Mankata's beaten him in, in OBP by 20 points. Baez has him in OPS, but 
they have you know they're within one home run of each other, and Yon is is like I said three years younger. Yeah, it if was really just the RBIs. If, and, and yeah, and I don't think I don't think people maybe took this tweet the way it should be. If you're starting a franchise right now, do you want the guy who's 22 and putting up similar stats to the guy who's 25? That's that's an easy question for me to answer. Yeah, uh, right off the top of the bat there. It, some people, I guess, do not read the full question. Well, another thing about Yoan Mankata is, I mean, people are going to look at traditional stats. They're going to look at average. They're going to look at RBIs. They're going to look at, I mean, and then they, they'll even expand it to his K rate. But Yoan Mankata right now has a top 20 wins above replacement and not just the AL, not just the NL, but in the entire MLB. I actually think he's like top five. I would have to look it up, but I know for a fact that he is at least in the top 20. Yeah, and, and that's only going to grow. He's he's going to be great for years to come. We're starting to see what he can do in this league. And like I said, it's a confidence thing too. As he gets more and more confident in his abilities and he learns the way that this game is played at the major league level, he's going to excel. He's done it at every level of baseball that he's played in his entire life. And there's no no reason that that shouldn't continue. Now, we'll say it time and time again, the strikeout rate needs to go down. But I'm okay with him striking out if he's going to put up numbers like this. And you're never going to stop the, the the haters, I guess, from coming out and, and saying he strikes out too much because people like to, you know, get on that. All right, so... I, no, I get what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. But here's my, like, take on that with, like, the flaws nobody's really i mean people are but nobody's really pointing out lucas giolito's flaws right now because reynaldo lopez is doing so well we don't have another yon mancada in i mean like we don't have anybody else that we can kind of re- like shoulder the blame if Mankata's not producing we don't have anybody else that we can be like oh well you know he's not doing it but so and so is doing it and it kind of draws that attention away you know it's just Mankata on the offensive so it's it it's he's in the spotlight that's yeah, hard that's, that's true but i would <laughs> i would argue to say that there are plenty of people pointing out Giolito's flaws right now it just might not be what we see with Yoan Mankata because yeah, they're just not of as this, vocal with it. yes they're not as vocal the other thing though is that Yoan plays every day and Giolito's only coming out every 5 days and then you start to mix in some rainouts and you see Lucas Giolito maybe once once a week once every week and a half and you see Yoan every day so it's really easy for somebody to say, okay, well, I watched, you know, two two White Sox games in a row, and I saw him strike out five times. Well, this guy sucks. If you don't catch the Lucas Giolito start and you look at the stat line, it's not as bad as, you know, actually watching Yon strike out, and then versus seeing, oh, well, Giolito gave up, you know, two home runs at the tail end of a game, and. You know that was the reason for his loss. It's it's a body of work thing, and it's also just much easier to see somebody who plays every day. And that's why we have the conversations because that was a really good argument. <laughs> you didn't change my mind, but I, see that's what it's so great about it because we're all in it for the same like the same endpoint, but we all have different opinions of how everything else is going on. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, and and everybody's entitled to that. I, I just, I've, I myself have been guilty of 
getting on Yon, and I've always been a Yon, I, yeah, I've always been a Yon supporter. I mean, he was he was our most exciting acquisition, in my opinion. And you know, I I mean, I I traded for this guy in a, in a fantasy baseball dynasty league over a year and a half ago. I gave up Corey Seager for him back when Corey Seager was winning Rookie of the Year. I I had you know a, a lot of stock in Yon Makata playing very well, so. I've done nothing but root for the guy, and it's it's very easy to get down, like you said, on, on anybody when you when you see them underperforming. We have seen it turn around now, and and Sox fans should be enjoying that. If there's one thing that you should be enjoying while watching White Sox baseball right now, it should be Yon Mankata, and it should be guys like Reynaldo Lopez. And we bring up Lucas Giolito, we should be critical of Lucas Giolito. He had when he I mean, they kept him in too long, but you're going to keep him in too long when you don't have much to go behind him. Well, that's just the thing, too. You you have to you have to look at this not only from you know a development standpoint, where if he's in there right now and he's struggling, you need to see these guys work through their struggles, and it's very easy for the for the fan who wants to see the White Sox win right now, get frustrated with the fact that, okay, Giolito's in, he's just walked the bases loaded, he's, you know, just looks like absolute, you know, garbage on the mound right now. Why is Rick Renteria leading him in? Why is he still in this game? Because this is the season where a guy like Lucas Giolito can be out there in that situation and actually work through it because if he gives up a run, if he hangs a curveball in that situation, well, guess what? Now he's figured out that you can't throw that curveball when you've got the bases loaded in a 2-2 count and hang it there because you're going to get pounded. You don't want Lucas Giolito in 2020 to still trying to be figuring out how to deal with being in a jam because right now it may be the sixth inning and he may be tired and you know, it's a 2-2 ball game. But if we lose a 2-2 ball game in May of 2018, we don't want Lucas Giolito in that situation in 2020 in the first inning of a game in September where it actually means something. So these are all learning, uh, you know, learning experiences for these guys. And that's why you see them get somewhat of a longer leash and i want to see that longer leash for these guys i want to see them in situations where this is a potential disaster can you get out of it because that's how you grow yeah no well put um i think that you're gonna start seeing a lot more of that a lot of you know giolito going six seven innings kind of i mean he's going off of his pitch count he's i mean it's kind of been proven that he doesn't really go off of the um, results, he more so gets taken out based off of, like, if he's throwing, if his control's off or if his pitch count's too high. I haven't seen many instances where, like, he's been taken out. I mean, I think, I'm trying to think of the exact start, but he gave up, like, four runs in the first two innings or so and then cruised for, like, three or four innings straight. Yeah, and you're going to see that. You're going to see him get left in in situations where, you know, other teams who, you know, are are potentially competing for a playoff spot or, or, or in later in the year, that guy would get the hook right away. And so I think we also need to be a little bit 
lenient on some of the decisions that Rick Renteria and Don Cooper make, especially regarding leaving a pitcher in or taking a pitcher out for the rest of the year on, you know, the fact that this is development. This is, like I said, this this team is most likely not going to make the playoffs. It, It pains me to say that. I'm a fan. I like to see this team win games. But some people are saying out there, this is year two or year, actually year one of the rebuild. It's hard to compartmentalize that and just realize that this is where these guys are going to grow when at the same time you want to win every ball game. I mean, I don't like going to the ballpark and watching the Sox lose. I know you don't like going to the ballpark and watching the Sox lose. I mean, that's not on your list of things that you want to do this week, is it? Never is that on my list of things to do is watch the Sox lose. No, nobody it wants happens, to go out. It happens, but yeah, I don't it, pencil it in. It happens, but it's not something that you want to – I don't want to turn the White Sox game on and say, well, this is going to be a loss, so why am I going to bother? No, you you got to find reasons to watch this team, and, and this is a reason to watch this team right now. They're going to they're gonna develop these guys. And if you if you can't appreciate the development of guys like Reynaldo, Yon, Gilito, what are you gonna do when Kopech comes up and struggles a little bit? I think there's a there's a I think there's a good portion of the fan base that thinks that Michael Kopech's gonna come up and just be an absolute stud and not struggle in any of his starts. I think Kopech's last start he struggled through it a little bit. These are human beings. They're gonna struggle. They need to learn. And you know, as as excited as we are for Kopech to come up, he's not going to save this season. The season isn't going to be saved by Michael Kopech. The season isn't going to be saved by Eloy Jimenez. They're going to help. They're going to have good games. But what are we going to do if, you know, Eloy Jimenez comes up and struggles for the first month? Are fans going to get on Eloy the same way they got on Yon? Uh, it really depends on like what stage he comes up at. If he's coming up September call-ups, then it's kind of hard to get a sample size out of that. You know, if he's coming up mid-July, you know, and he has like the rest of that year, then he probably will struggle early on. And I mean, his his uh, batting average isn't the best in Double A right now. The power numbers are there, but I don't. I think he's like barely over 300 you know they're making i mean everybody makes it sound like he's just going to come to the league and hit 350 40 home runs and 120 rbis every year you know there's there's a learning curve like you said you got to get past that little bit and i really think that everybody in a sense struggles when they come up and everybody has their own like little thing that they struggle with you know the guys that you see you don't see it often like the gary sanchez's when they come up and they clobber like 15 home runs in a month or the trevor stories like you don't see that very often and you don't there's reasons you don't see that well and i think that that's what i think a lot of Sox fans are expecting that you see guys like cody bellinger is another example you see these guys come up and, and just tear the cover off the baseball for a while you get the opposite with Yon. I mean, he he's done well. He's serviceable in his first stint in the major leagues. And then people are like, why isn't he the greatest thing in the league right now? Why isn't he rookie of the year consideration? It doesn't mean that he's going to be a bust. It just means that he needs that time to develop. And, you know, hitters go through hot and cold streaks. 
that's just part of baseball. You got to remember, if you're failing only seven out of ten times in this game, you're considered a great ball player. If 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 that's your success rate is three out of ten times, you're batting three hundred, and that's that's an all-star year. People tend to get this idea when you see that number one prospect or for Eloy it's going to be oh well he was a top five prospect and for Kopech he was a top five starting pitching prospect that's a lot of pressure for a guy to then come up and convert that right away into you know major league success you look at a guy like Cody Bellinger or Trevor Story these aren't guys that were on the top 10 prospect lists these are guys that came into the league and found success right away because they just happened to have that momentum or that confidence at the time when they came in and you know there's also something to be said for beginner's luck coupled with raw talent those guys figured it out quickly but then they've also come back down to earth at some point in time and i think that what we wanted to see out of yon was a guy that would come up and just tear the cover off the baseball and then continue to run with it nobody kind of expected the the figuring out period but i i just worry that we're going to go through this and this is going to become ad nauseum prospect comes up they're figuring it out and we have a fan base overreaction patience is a virtue i get it. It, it like i said earlier it's very easy to focus in on on shortcomings when when you expect your team to win every day all right, everybody, that's going to bring us to our next segment where we bring on our guest. Today we have Harry Tynowitz from White Sox Weekly on WGN Radio today with Mark Carmen. Harry, how you doing today, man? Uh, I'm great. I'm great. Nancy Faust and I just got back from uh, going to Dairy Queen, and uh, life is wonderful. <laughs> awesome. Oh, you're, uh, you're good friends with Nancy Faust, Harry? Well, not so much friend. I mean, she can't always see me because I'm hiding um, uh, when I'm watching her, but I'm a big fan of Nancy Faust. <laughs> Great to know. Very good to yeah, know. Have you, guys, have, you guys, have, you, have, you, have you guys noticed, by the way, that during their uh, playoff run, the Winnipeg Jets, as they eliminated their uh, opponents, they play na-na-na-na, hey-hey-hey, goodbye. I have, I have noticed that. That's new. So do you guys like that? I mean, is that is that cool? I mean, is that like a homage to the to the White Sox of days gone by, or is that like, hey man, get you get your own song? No, I, I'll let them. I'll let them have it. If uh, if they want it, they can have it. It uh, it brings back good memories. I'm totally with you. Totally with you. All right, so we got a couple of things that we want to talk with you about today, Harry. The first thing that we wanted to talk to you about a little bit, um, me and Tony being new in the radio business, we kind of wanted to pick your brain and ask you, like, what got you into the radio business? Um, I lost a bet, and so I was stuck doing radio. You know, um, when I first heard that there was sports radio, you know, coming to Chicago, I just assumed it would be like a 24-hour update. You know, you just have a guy, you know, uh, you know, today the Cardinals beat the White Sox 3-2 and... You know, uh, James Shields pitched, you know, seven innings and, you know, it's just a guy giving stats. But then when I heard what it was, you know, uh, you know, uh, sportscasters, sports writers, you know, um, jocks, you know, trying to be, you know, um, 
you know, getting their personality out there and, and, you know, having fun talking about sports. I thought, hey, I can suck just as much as these guys. I love it. That was a great answer. That's awesome. So, Harry, who uh, right now on the White Sox, we're going through quite a quite a bit of a rough year, this rebuild year. What do you think no. is the way? No. Worst, worst start ever? No. What do you think the most positive thing out of the first, well, let's say month of the season has been for the White Sox? Well, I, I think that um, the most positive thing is that, uh, you know, so far, so far no one's been arrested which is good. So far, the manager hasn't gone to the bullpen to single for a relief pitcher, and there wasn't a relief pitcher warming up, which is also good. Uh, so far, there hasn't been an outfielder who switched into street clothes and challenged the Milwaukee Brewers fan to a fight. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of positives. I mean, if I had to, you know, if I had to pick, like, you know, like, which players have caught my eye, I mean, I, I, obviously, it's got to be, um, you know, Lopez has been just lights out. Um, yeah, so Lopez has been looking really good. Um, but other than that, do you want to talk a little bit about Yoan Mankata? We kind of want to see what you think about Yoan Mankata. Yeah, I mean, okay, all right. So, I, I can't talk about Ronaldo. Damn. No, you can. You can. Go ahead. Go right ahead and talk about Ronaldo. Ronaldo Lopez is going to be, I mean, I, I like Giolito. You know, Giolito was obviously, you know, strong today. But, um, you know, you can't stop Dexter Fowler. You can only hope to contain him. Uh, I, you know, I, I think that they've got, you know, the basis for a really good uh, starting rotation. And, um, you know, besides those guys, there's guys in the minors. Big, I'm a big Dane Dunning guy. You know, I know he got a win today, and uh, he's been, uh, he, he, of course, came in the Eaton deal. Uh, so, you know, I think, uh, you know, Rick Hahn deserves, you know, slaps on the back, pats on the fanny. Because, um, yeah, Moncada's up now. Moncada's the man. Um, but, you know, I think that um, the White Sox, you know, we see it with the Astros. And, um, you know, you get a rotation like that. You know, you see it with the other team in Chicago. I know you guys don't want me to say their name. And you saw it with the Royals when the Royals won their World Series. These these young teams that drafted really well, that have you know a terrific pitching base. That you know go add like one free agent, and um, you know they're they're just um, going to be very tough to beat soon. You mentioned another team in Chicago. Uh, I've never heard of another baseball team that plays in Chicago. You want to clue me into who that might be? See, see, guys, you know, I'm, I'm a little older than you, and uh, I've always loved both teams. And, uh, you know, my, my mom grew up on the north side. My dad grew up on the south side. So, you know, it's a mixed marriage. They're divorced. And, um, I, you know, I, when dad would say, want to go to the game, that meant I want to go to the Sox game. When mom would say, want to go to the game, that would meant do you want to go to Wrigley Field. So, you know, I have no... In 2005, the people that didn't cheer for the White Sox they missed out on one of the most spectacular runs to glory I've ever seen. How about the ALCS when only one other pitcher before the, besides the four starters threw one inning? I mean, that was awesome. Yeah, that and was just incredible. Yeah, it's incredible. And, and like, you know, my favorite moment of that playoff, uh, you know, that run to the World Series was Game 3 in Boston. You know, when they had bases loaded. Al Duque. And uh, Al Duque came out of the pen and... Uh, Basically, nobody out, and it felt like if, if Boston scored once, Boston would score nine times. And El Duque, who was a starter, came out of the pen, and uh, he, he took him out. One, two, three. I think it was, I think it was like Graffinino, Veritek, and uh, Johnny Damon. Damon. Yeah, Damon was the and, last one. Uh, 
Yeah, and it was uh, hocus pocus. Um, <laughs> it was it was great. So I mean, that was my favorite moment. But you know, for for Sox fans that you know didn't cheer for the Cubs, you know, I, I get that more because they had won a World Series. But you know, in 2005, I didn't know if we'd ever see another World Series in Chicago. And I've lived here my whole life, so I just thought it was kind of goofy that you know Cubs fans were that a portion of them were so adamantly against the White Sox winning. Cause, you know, it, I know it's a Cubs Sox thing, but it's this Chicago and their jersey, so how do you not cheer for them when they're playing in the World Series against Houston? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's like you said it was a family thing when your dad is a Sox fan and your mom was a Cubs fan. I just My mom didn't care about baseball and my dad was a Sox fan, so I just fell right into the path. <laughs> I don't know about you, Tony. Yeah, I was mainly all White Sox. I have uh, one of my grandfathers is a Cubs fan, uh, but mainly mainly all White Sox in my immediate family. I've got a few few uncles who are Cubs fans, so there's there's a bit of a healthy rivalry at family parties, but uh, for the most part, well, and, that's, and that's a good thing. In, in my closet, I've got a, a jersey closet. It's supposed to be my wife's walk-in closet, but I use it for jerseys. And I've got uh, I've got. Uh, Eight Cubs jerseys and ten White Sox jerseys. Balance. So I, I I tell people I'm bisexual. <laughs> bisexual. I love that. That's a, that's an awesome term. We're gonna we're gonna dig more Can't into that. For that. Yeah. <laughs> you you love the jersey collection, boys. It's it's a sweet one. It's uh, right. even going to my even going down to my Kelly Munch Charlotte Knights jersey. Oh goodness! Oh wow! Rattle off a few. Rattle off a few of them. Oh, all right. Let's see. I've got a Sean Lowe warm up. I've got Keith Folk's actual game jersey. Oh, damn. Uh, the Kelly Wunsch is a Kelly Wunsch is a game jersey. I've got uh, an Aaron Rowan uh, road uniform. I've got uh, a green batting practice. You know, St. Patrick's Day green batting practice signed by Minnie Minoso. Oh, that's goodness. probably like the that's probably like the coolest one that I have. That's an impressive collection. Oh yeah, yeah oh yeah. So I mean, you know, and it's right next to my, you know, Cub stuff, and you know, I, I you know, I won't apologize for it. I, I grew up, I cheered for both teams because they both sucked, and no one ever gave me a hard time. Then all of a sudden, you know, they start playing each other for real, and I'm a big loser. So here's the question that I think matters the most: If the Crosstown Classic inevitably did happen, who would you root for? You can't root for them both, can you? Well, guys. Yurko, my old radio partner, who grew up in Chicago, a diehard Bears fan who hated the Packers and then who uh, made a living playing with the Packers, told me you always root for the team that signs your check. Okay. Um, so go White Sox. So, you know, so, uh, you, know you can learn a lot from the good kids. <laughs> yeah, we're, taking, we're taking that uh, as, as go White Sox, I think, right there, John? Yeah. So, Harry, I uh, got another question for you, and this is a, actually a listener question that I got today, and it's kind of going to go off the baseball topic here. But uh, we noticed that you starred in, in a few movies uh, back in the day. Uh, one in particular, I think you know where I'm going to go with this. Uh, what was it like uh, on the movie set with Tom Cruise in 1983 when you were filming Risky Business? Okay, so um, I, I have... I had I had three lines. So I, I had a big part in Risky Business Act originally. I was um, 
I was uh, I lost my part about uh, two or three days before filming started, but I was going to be um, the same guy, Curtis Armstrong, who uh, beat me out for um, Revenge of the Nerds. I was up for that part. Yeah, uh, he. Uh, I, I got a call. I was all set to play this nice nice role in Risky Business, and I got a call saying, "Hey, Curtis Armstrong got a theater release." So I had no idea who Curtis Armstrong was. He's the guy that's in Moonlighting. He's the guy that's Booger in Revenge of the Nerds, but that meant nothing to me. And he's the guy in Risky Business that says sometimes you just got to say what the, you know, that guy. And uh, we're on a podcast. I could probably swear, right? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, no. It's just, it wouldn't be right if I, if I, what if I just said like Ariola? <laughs> right. So um, uh, I found out that Curtis Armstrong got a theater release, and that meant that uh, he was going to be let out of the play he was doing in New York, and he took my part, and I got a much smaller part. And um, uh, so I, I ended up uh, only having three lines, but because there were, the, you know, like, you go to the set to film your scene, you're supposed to be there for, uh, you know, two days, and then they get stuff doing something else. So I spent eight days uh, during Risky Business, and, and Tom Cruise was great. Um, I have a friend uh, that was in, I was in a movie called Up the Academy, and Ralph Macchio, the Karate Kid, was in that movie with me, and he had just filmed The Outsiders with Tom Cruise. So he told Tom, you know, hey, look out for my friend Harry. And um, so I met Tom Cruise, and he was in the Springsteen. I was in the Springsteen. I gave him a couple of bootlegs, and we were hanging out in his trailer one day, and Rebecca De Mornay came in, and um, what's a good word for her? Well, how about bitch? Okay, <laughs> so she came in and, and, and said, what are you doing with him? You know, he's like a day player. You know, like, in other words, because I didn't have a, you know, a part, that like, he shouldn't be hanging out with me, talking to me. But um, Tom Cruise would probably never remember me. Uh, I haven't stayed in touch with him. We haven't, uh, you know, we don't get together every once in a while. Uh, but he's amongst the famous people that I've got to hang out with. And what I remember about him is he was great. He was, I got nothing but good things to say about him. He was friendly. He was into Springsteen. And uh, I enjoyed my Tom Cruise time. Rebecca De Mornay. Um, did you ever see that movie, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, when she played this really scary psychopath? That was like the nicest I've ever seen her. <laughs> oh, man. Awesome All right, stuff. so um, in case our listeners didn't notice, um, Harry started off in a stand-up comedy so I think that's what makes you so unique, Harry, is that you bring sort of that comedic personality to your radio personality, and it meshes so well together. Well, you know, it's very kind of you to say. Mesh is a good good way to say, um, uh, you know, uh, you're not bothering me that much, so I appreciate that. <laughs> no, honestly, you're, you're hilarious. This is great. Um, but, yeah, no, basically what I was getting at was um, is there any like pointers or anything you would have for me and Tony to kind of maybe bring a little bit of a comedic personality into uh, what we do over here on Shy Sox Weekly? I I think you guys should run away. I think you guys should run as fast as you can. No, I you guys, you guys are great. I mean, you, you, what I tell everybody is, you know, be yourself. Find find yourself. Be yourself. You know, Chicagoans can smell BS, you know, a million miles away. So I always thought. You know, I got to do some national time with Mike and Mike, but I always thought, like, I've got to, you know, I've got to just be myself. And my natural self is like, um, if we went to the game, 
you know, I might be talking about, you know, the time that I went to the game and, you know, Harold Baines hit a goose guy's fastball, you know, deep into the, uh, you know, deep into the night. And then, you know, next time I went, Robin Ventura won a game in the bottom of the ninth, hitting a home run off a of gossage and, you know, uh, go right into like, you know, making fun of some guy sitting next to me. And I always, my favorite part of going to a game was always like, you know, making fun of the other team. Remember Richie Sexton from the Brewers? I do. Yes. Very well. Yeah, I used to, make, I, I used to I used to love making number forty four. I used to love making fun of him. I, I don't know why. It's just that like he would react. You know, he would react. Um, but you know, I, I think if, if if you make fun of yourself and you don't take yourself seriously, then you have a right to make you know make fun of anybody else. And I never get on a guy who, you know, who who, who drops the ball or who strikes out. You know, but I get on the guys who like, you know, just do do the stupid thing or do the selfish thing. You know, um, God, the guy on the Bears when they were playing the Broncos, I think it was like uh, Barber, Marion Barber, was that his name? The running yeah, back with the, who was, with the dreadlocks uh, got him from the Cowboys. Yeah, and he was trying, you know, like the Bears was trying to run out the clock, and, and, and he should have gone down, but he wanted to get over 100 yards, so he kept going and he fumbled, and the Broncos got it, and they came down and they won. So, like, I was all over him for, you know, for a while. But, no, my, my advice to anybody that wants to get in the radio is um, you got to be yourself and you got to be prepared. There's, I mean, I hear so many people today that aren't prepared. And, um, you know, I always thought like, you know, what's great about being prepared is you don't have to move a lot. You can just sit on your ass and you can like just, you know, be on the computer and just keep reading stuff from different, you know, different, you know, people, you know, and uh, back, you know, back in the day, you know, you, you, you wouldn't have access to, you know, uh, you know, White Sox are playing, you know, the uh, twins this weekend. So, you you know, unless you had a friend who lived in Minnesota, you know, you couldn't necessarily, um, you know, look up the, um, you know, the papers in Minneapolis. But now you can, you know, you can just go online. You can read all about that stuff. So I always said, like, you know, be prepared and, and listen. ESPN brought this guy in for two days to teach us how to be better on the radio. And he never once used the word listen. And I think that's what you got to do because so many people are ready to ask their next question, a guy will say something like, well, you know, we were all high on cocaine and the hooker hadn't left the locker room yet. And then the guy will just go into the question he was asked. You know, hey, did you know what that guy just said? Just said that they were all high on cocaine and there was a hooker in the locker room. So, I mean, well, that's an extreme example. But my point is you, you got to be prepared, got to do your homework, and you got to listen because – People will just like you know trample over a, a great answer that could lead to all kinds of things. That was awesome. I put you to sleep. I put you to sleep. With no, no, not at all. I you were gonna say something else after you, that. No, that was you, great. You know, you know what I was doing, Harry. <laughs> listening. You're, you're listening. Listening. That's yes. See, now you're showing me something. Now you're showing me something. All right. Yeah. Anything else you want to ask Harry before we let him go, Tony? I've got one last question for him. I wanted to talk a little bit about the future, Harry. You've seen a lot of White Sox teams. You've seen a lot of Cubs teams. You've seen a lot of sports. What's the one thing that you would advocate to Sox fans who are having trouble getting through this first part of the year? For anybody who maybe has a bad taste in their mouth for this team, what do you want to tell them about the future of this White Sox club? You're much closer to it than we are, and I'm very interested to see what kind of insights you have on it. Well, I mean, there's, I mean, look, this team went from being the next to worst 
minor league system in all of baseball to being the next to best minor league system in all of baseball. And you can make a case that, there's, that their system is much better than the Padres. But, you know, what Rick Hahn did and what, um, you know, what, what Jerry Reinsdorf allowed him to do, because, you know, Reinsdorf's, you know, a wonderful, you know, guy who's not a spring chicken, you know, for him to say, hey, you know, even if it's going to take a few years, let's go ahead and, and you know, and shoot for the stars. You know, I, I would say he who laughs last, laughs best. And we've just seen it three times in a row, right? Astros, Cubs, Royals, they all did the same thing. They all got rid of the dead weight. They all went, you know, um, young. They all got, you know, some great some great uh, draft picks. That, that's another thing is you've got to get lucky with the draft. You've got to be good, and you've got to get lucky, you know, Um before the Cubs took Chris Bryant, the uh, Astros took uh, Mark uh, or Apple. And, you know, I mean, that could have gone the wrong way for the Cubs. And, you know, then you get your one veteran, you get your Verlander, you know, you get your Lester, you know, or, your, you know, your Chapman or, you know, whoever it is. Boy, the Royals, bullpen, you hear they won the World Series? If they had a lead after the sixth inning, you couldn't touch them. Nope. So what I would advocate is, I mean, where were you going to go this year? Were you going to, you know, get a couple of free agents and, you know, and, and, and be happy finishing, you know, eight games out of first place. You know, I'd rather, I'd rather, you know, pay the price eight and 19, you know, and, and two years from now be amongst the best teams in baseball. So you brought up that, uh, that Jerry kind of advocated and, and gave Rick Hahn, you know, the control to do this rebuild. Now I've heard a lot of talk out there, uh, that some people don't believe that Jerry is actually going to open the pocketbooks and bring in, you know, those core pieces. Uh, what's your stance on that? Oh, no, he would. I mean, they, they, they took a hard look at Manny Machado. Manny Machado is not like a, a bargain basement guy. You don't see Manny Machado in the uh, dollar store. You can't walk in a Dollar Tree and say, give me a pack of pink Starburst and a Manny Machado. <laughs> you know, they were, they were looking hard at him. And, um, you know, just it, it wasn't the time. You know, I think Wellington, Wellington Castillo, you know, for a couple years, is like the perfect guy for now, um, you know, because he's going to take a young staff and he's going to, you know, bring out the best in them. And he's got some pop in his bat, you know? So, I mean, you don't need to be spending a gazillion dollars. And, and you know, are you going to sell that many more tickets if you had Manny Machado here? I, I think what you got to do is, you know, you just got to be patient. I mean, they, they are using the blueprint that we just saw Houston win the World Series. By the way, Houston, Houston doesn't look like they're going to stop anytime soon. You know, Kansas City fell apart, but Houston and um, the Northsiders, they both look like they're, you know, amongst the best teams in baseball. So I think the White Sox, I mean, look at who they got in the minors. They're just brimming. They are brimming with talent. You know, I mean, uh, you know, and and uh, and the Kopechs, like the you know the fourth guy I would mention, they got you know they got two young catchers that could both be something. You know, I talked about Dane Dunning earlier. You know, you got Eli Jimenez sitting in Double A Birmingham. Eli Jimenez might be you know uh, one of the best players to come up in in years. Um, Rob Lewis Robert, you know, is is a terrific player. You got guys you know throughout this system, guys in single A. You know, uh, you know, double A, triple A that are, you know, going to come up here and make a major impact. So, you know, if 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 you get like the perfect storm, you know, no play on words. What what's happening tonight? But 
if they all show up the same and they're all, you know, as good as we think they are, this website team is going to be damn tough. We couldn't agree more, Harry. We couldn't agree more. Plus, plus you get dollar dogs once a week. You know? Yeah, and everyone's there. Can't hate that. We're going to get that. I mean, you know, come on, you know. Go, go out there for a hump day Wednesday and get yourself a dollar dog. Yeah, so me and Tony have been talking about going up to a game here pretty soon. We'd love to uh, maybe catch a game with you sometime, Harry. I would enjoy that. That'd be fun. We could go to a game, and um, uh, we could, uh, you know, we, we could get some. Uh, what's your favorite thing to eat there? I don't know. I get def- something new every time I go. I feel like I'm definitely, definitely a big fan of the brats. Brats are solid. Brats are solid. I love that. Uh, I love the deli stands. You know, get yourself a corned beef sandwich, a roast beef sandwich, and then elotes. elotes yeah, are yeah, very they do have the elotes there. They've got right. something. They've got something for everybody there. I go straight for a modelo. I don't think about food off the road. Well, you know, you get a good modelo base, and you really don't care about the food. <laughs> yeah, exactly. the, everything. Everything tastes good after a few modelos. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Just, uh, you know, do it responsibly. Of course. All right. Well, we appreciate you for coming on, Harry. Thank you so much for taking uh, the time to uh, come on, and hopefully we'll have you on again soon, and we'd love to catch that game with you. Uh, that, that sounds like a lot of fun, and um, I'll be better next time. Thanks, Harry, for coming on. We really appreciate it. My pleasure, boys. You be good. You too, Harry. And that was Harry Tynowitz from WGN Radio and White Sox Weekly. It was uh, great to have him on. Yeah, uh, we want to thank Harry again for taking uh, time out of his night uh, to come on and basically not only give us a few pointers, but talk White Sox baseball. Uh, That's one funny dude, (laughs) let me tell you. I was laughing. like I had to keep muting my mic (laughs) because I was laughing like that whole interview. Oh, yeah, Harry's Harry's absolutely great. Uh, I I hope we actually do get to go catch a game with him. That would that would that would absolutely be something. All right. Well, that is pretty much all we have for this week for you folks. Thank you for tuning in. Anything else you want to close out with, Tony? No, that's about it. Hopefully, uh, hopefully the Sox can turn it around a little bit. Yeah, I'd like to have a winning week to talk about on uh, on Chai Sox Weekly. We haven't had much. Much good baseball to talk about. Just a lot of development stuff like we touched on earlier, uh, which is always good. Like we said, it's it's a developmental year. Uh, it's a rebuild. We're, we're all aware of it. But uh, it, it is fun to win ball games too. Always. All right. Well, until next time, everybody, thank you for tuning in, and go White Sox. Go Sox.